0: Well, hey, I'm Brian. I'm one of the pastors here at Seven Cities Church, and we are in week two of a series called, Do You See What I See? And the premise of this series, the theme really is to try and attempt at at best to look at things the way that Jesus looks at things, to, to see things from the eyes of Jesus. And so last week, we recognized, we honored uh, the, the vulnerable, the, the the orphan children, the ones that uh, are in foster care, the widows. We talked about that briefly as well, and uh, and was just an incredible day. I believe that God's going to do something special uh, in that particular avenue or lane, if you will, of life uh, as we continue to take steps forward as a church and grow. And, uh, and make an impact on those children. And so today we're going to continue that series, and uh, and I'm excited about it. I'm going to jump right in. We're going to be in Mark chapter 2, and I get to to speak, to teach, to preach a message uh, in one of my favorite styles. I love to take a passage of Scripture and just stay on that passage the entire sermon and uh, our entire time, entire message, whatever you want to say, talk, Um and and to be able to just kind of break that down, not necessarily fully uh, into all the background behind it, but but just the, the principles, the themes that are there, how it applies to our life and what we can do about it. And so I am super, super excited. So here we go. We're going to jump in. I'm going to read the passage to you. It's just a handful of verses. And then I'm going to propose three questions uh, throughout this, this time that we have together, that hopefully will challenge you to see something specifically uh, the way that Jesus does. All right, so let's read it together. Mark chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. It says Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up. And followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with such scum? The last verse, when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. I've titled today's message, the main point that I'm going to be saying over and over is this, what a difference when we see those that are different. What a difference when we see those that are are different, And so today, we're gonna to spend some time looking at people and looking at the lens that Jesus would look at with people who are different than us. Now, we're gonna give, uh, as we saw in this story, I'm gonna tell you a little bit of context and a little bit more information, but, but I want us to look from a very broad perspective, not someone, when I say different, uh, who is less than, not someone who is greater than. Just this aspect of life that we live in, that we are surrounded by people who are different than us. In all reality, every single one of us are different. But we know that we have certain types of people that, that are like us, that maybe dress like us, act like us, live in the same neighborhood of, uh, as us, You know, have have the same kind of hobbies and likes, and, and we would call those people like us or are the same as us. And then you have another group of people who are drastically different. They don't act the same. They don't talk the same. They don't dress the same. Like, like they're totally different different. And so you have all of these different aspects, all of these different levels if you will, of people that are different. And so I want to talk from a broad perspective to where uh, to where we begin to see not just big differences but small differences as well. And we look at them and we view them as the way Jesus does with people as he treated them, loved them, showed compassion to them with people from all ages, backgrounds, groups, and differences. And so I'm going to propose these three questions throughout this message that I hope will challenge you, encourage you, and inspire you to step out and to live a life that begins to see people that are different than you the way that Jesus sees them. What a difference when we see those that are different. Here's the first question I would propose to you. What if we saw people's potential more than we saw their mistakes? What if we saw people's potential more than we saw their mistakes? Let's go back to our passage, Mark Chapter two, the first two verses in our, in our passage today, 13 and 14. Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again. He taught the crowds that were coming to him. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth follow me, be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Jesus is seeing Levi's potential and he's looking past his mistakes. And maybe you're thinking, well, how is that possible? Or not how is it possible, but what mistake did did Levi make, right? Like, what is he doing wrong? And if you don't have any background as to what tax collectors... Uh, did or how they operated, then then maybe you do ask that question. So so let me just give you a, a little brief context, a brief synopsis, snapshot, if you will, of of a tax collector. So. Um, tax collectors did just that. They collected taxes. But in many cases, it was Jewish people working for the Roman government. And they were expected, and they did, to not only collect taxes from people in their area and the merchants and tradesmen that were coming through their area, They were expected to collect those taxes and take a cut for themselves. So essentially, these tax collectors would charge people a tax and then they would take even more so that they could make their own money. And in most cases, at least some that we see recorded, the tax collectors would charge a significant increase, and many of them lived a pretty wealthy life because of the money that they made by scamming other people. And so these tax collectors were essentially despised. Number one, they were Jewish people working for the Roman government, but number two, they were scammers they were thieves. They were taking extra money from their own people. And so, which is obviously not just wrong in the eyes of of a man, in the eyes of the Jewish people, it was wrong in the eyes of God to scam people, to steal from people. They were essentially thieves taking money from their own people. And so I want you to picture this this, this man, Levi, is literally sitting in his tax collector booth, and people had to pay taxes. There was no choice, just like you and I. You don't pay taxes, your wages get garnished, right? Like, like they had to come and pay their taxes. And so, like literally, like, let's place ourselves there. There's, there's Levi sitting in a booth collecting taxes, like, like in the middle of town square, if you will, and there's a line lined up, people paying their taxes, and he's charging, okay, you owe $100. Well, We're going to charge you 200. And he's scamming people. And all of a sudden, this man who is claiming to be the Messiah, who is literally proving himself to be the Messiah, the son of God, he walks up to him in the middle of his corruption, in the middle of his his mistakes, in the middle of the things that he is doing that he knows is wrong. And he gives him an invitation to follow him. Like, are you, are you, like, can you see what's happening? Like, he's literally meeting Levi right where he is. He's not looking at his mistakes. He's looking past that because he sees something in Levi that has far more potential than what he's doing in that moment. Like, can you imagine how Levi must have felt? To have this man who is is claiming and and proving to be Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, the perfect man, who literally walks up to him in the middle of him doing what he knows is wrong, but he's still continuing to do it, and he gives him an invitation to follow him. He doesn't come and condemn him. He doesn't come and, and give him some strict judgment. He doesn't come with this mean demeanor to where, oh my gosh, look at you. Look at your mistakes. You're a screw up. You're a mess up. You're never going to amount to anything. He comes and he says, hey, will you follow me? Because I see your potential. And I know that if you follow me, I can transform your life. And maybe You don't know who Levi actually is. Levi is Matthew. Matthew became a disciple. Matthew is a book that you and I get to read in what we call the Gospels. You want to talk about potential? Thank God that Jesus overlooked his mistakes to pull out the potential that this man named Levi had. And so I want to tell you two things in regards to this. The first one is, is if you're that person If you're that Levi and you know you're living in in corruption, you're living in sin that is unrepentant, you know you're doing things that go against God, you know you're doing things that, that are far from God, you know that you need to change the things that you're doing, can I just tell you that Jesus wants to come and walk by your booth and meet you right where you are and look past your mistakes and pull out your potential and give you an invitation to follow him. He wants to do that to you. Right now, right now. He's more worried about where he can take you and the transformation that he can do in you than he is with the mistakes that you're making right now. He's paid for all of that and he's inviting you to follow him. But secondly, church, can I talk to you for a moment? Can, can we begin to look at people the way that Jesus does? Can we begin to see past people's mistakes and focus more on their potential. It's powerful and it's life-changing. And, and, and like think about it for a moment. That addict that you know that continues to relapse, that continues to live this, this lifestyle on the street and and, and 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 continuing to 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 partake in, in drug use. And and what we do in our minds is we say, man, those those people are different. And you know what? They're always gonna be an addict. And we give them this label. Can we stop labeling them because of their mistakes and start looking at them as a son or a daughter of the true king? And we walk alongside of them as we walk along Jesus. That alcoholic that you see on the street who you think to yourself will never change and will never be anything more than an alcoholic. Can you stop looking at his mistakes and have a relationship, begin to nurture a relationship with that person and allow them to see what Jesus sees and allow them to see what Jesus can do in their life? Or how about the lady that you work with who's constantly stirring up issues? She's full of drama. She's full of gossip. She has not one healthy relationship. And you come alongside of her. And instead of avoiding her, instead of saying, I'm not getting involved, with she's trouble, she's a mess. I don't wanna hear her, her problem today. We say, you know what, You're making a lot of mistakes, but I'm gonna come alongside of you because I see some potential. Or that teenager who's living that rebellious lifestyle and they're, they're living a reckless lifestyle with, with drugs and drinking and sex and, and this crazy life that they've chose to live as they live for the world. And oftentimes we see their mistakes and we say, well, they're just going through the teenage phase. No, no, no. We invest into them. We pull their potential out and help them to see that. This is how Jesus sees people. One more, all right? Maybe that homosexual or that transgender that that is so different than anything that you are, anything that you believe, and you completely shut them off. Can you love them like Jesus does? Can you stop looking at their mistakes and look more at the potential that can be used and can be transformed and pulled out of them because of the saving, resurrecting power of Jesus? What if we saw people, the way that Jesus sees people? Oh, what a difference when we see those that are different. What a difference we could make. If we begin to not just see people who are different, but to, but to see them, like not just visibly, oh, okay. But I'm talking about when we see them the way that Jesus does, it's not just a vision thing. It's a, I see you, I love you, I care about you, I have compassion for you, and I want a relationship for you. What if we see people who are different than us in that way? And, and I know that those examples may be a bit extreme, but reality, right? Like I guarantee you one of those registered with you. you, you you've seen it, you know it, like, like, but, but can I bring it down to an even smaller level? Because I believe that we have never lived in a time to where we have people who are shoulder to shoulder with us who are different than us. And so maybe it's not the drastic alcoholic, drug addict, transgender, you know, homosexual. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just somebody who's beside you who has differences in the fact that they vote differently than you. They think differently than you. They parent differently than you. They look differently than you. They act differently than you. Can we see them the way that Jesus sees them? The last thing I wanna say on this is this in order to see someone who is different than you the way that Jesus does, doesn't mean that you agree with them. Do you think Jesus agreed with Levi, the tax collector? No, he didn't agree. That's why he gave him an invitation to follow him because he knew that, hey, I can bring dead things to life. I can transform this lifestyle into the image of God. And we don't have to agree or support Everything that these people are doing in order to see them, in order to love them, in order to invest into them the way that Jesus would. Oh, what a difference when we see those that are different. Let's look past people's mistakes and let's see their potential. Amen? Amen. All right. Number two. Ha, this one's a little tough. What if we got off of our religious high horse? All right. And maybe some of you are like, well, that's a little bit harsh, Brian. Okay, maybe. And maybe some of you are like, oh, I'm not on a religious high horse. Maybe. Let me just explain what I mean by this, okay? But what if we got off of our religious high horse? Here we go. Check this out. 15 and 16. So, So Jesus now has invited Levi. He says, hey, come be my disciple. Levi immediately gets up, okay? So later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. So a bunch of people who were not looking like Jesus, are living for Jesus, are reflecting anything that Jesus was, who are now following and interested in trying to figure out what this Jesus guy is all about. But when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? The Pharisees, the religious leaders, they were on this religious high horse. So the word Pharisee means separated one. And they were so separated that they couldn't get off of their horse long enough to see that Jesus was doing something that was different. Like like everything was to the extreme to where they actually were going against Jesus in many aspects because they had this religious mindset in everything that they do that was so strict and so legalistic that they overlooked the fact that Jesus came to love people like Levi and those people. And as I think about that, As I think about how often we will write people off because we're on a religious high horse. And I know some of you are like, okay, what does that even mean? No, I'm not. Listen, sometimes we do it intentionally. Sometimes we do it unintentionally. Here's what I mean by this. You and I, we have neural pathways in our brains. So basically a little trail, a little path, if you will, that has created by the the way that we think. And so we have this pathway about a specific thing that has been created and it lends us to think in a certain way. And so now when something different comes along, we have a hard time seeing what is actually taking place because we're locked into this pathway. And maybe you're like, that was too much for me. Listen, we get to a place, and this is what I mean by religious high horse, to where because it's different than what we've been taught, than what we've learned, than what we've always thought, we view ourselves as right and the other as wrong. And it's not what Jesus was doing here. And the Pharisees, they couldn't get past their religious thinking that they had been trained to think and this high horse that they were on to see that Jesus came and he wanted to love people like Levi and all these other peoples. And you and I, we do the same exact thing. And if I can be super transparent, many of us, we've learned a lot of this stuff in the church. We've learned a lot of this stuff in the church. And I'm not saying that it's bad. I'm not saying that it's wrong. I'm just saying, what if we began to see the things that are different as not wrong. Maybe some of it is wrong, but maybe some of it isn't. We will never know if we don't step off of our high horse and get on the same level playing field to say, hey, I'm at least going to give this a shot. I'm at least going to give this an opportunity. And these Pharisees, they were missing out on what Jesus was doing. They were missing out on who Jesus was. They were missing out on the purpose and the mission of Jesus because they couldn't get past the way that they had always thought about things. Like, what are we missing out on? Like, what a difference when we begin to see those that are different. Listen, I'm not trying to challenge you to wreck everything that you've ever thought of or ever believed. I'm not trying to challenge you and say that the way that you think about things is wrong. I'm not, that's not my goal. my My challenge to you would be, what if we just admitted for a moment that maybe we're looking at something that is different as wrong and we're right. And they're here and what they're doing and the things that they believe are here and what I believe and the things that I'm doing is here. Could that be possible? Absolutely. But what if we just said, "Hey, let's just check this out. Let's see if God's up to something. Let's see if let's see if the the Lord is doing something that I've never experienced. And although it's uncomfortable because it's different, maybe this is actually better than than what I think." Let's just get off our horse for a little bit and let's begin to see things the way that Jesus see things. Do you think Jesus cared about some religious rule or tradition or the way that things had always been done? No, not at all. He said, hey, I'm coming to love these people. I'm coming to show them who I'm about, what I'm about, and why I am going to sit at a table with these people because I love them. I don't agree with them, but I love them. And I can sit with people who are different than me. What a difference when we see those who are different than us. Number three, the last question I would propose, what if we got messy? What if we got messy? Look at this verse right here. When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. What if we got messy? You know, I said this not too long ago. I don't know if I said it on here or in person or what, but I think for many believers, it's not that we don't have a desire or want to, to minister to people, to do life with people, to get in an arena with people who are different than us. It's not that we don't have a desire or want to, it's that we don't want to get messy, right? Like, like, why would I spend time with people who are different than me and getting in their mess when I can stay in the comfort of people that are around me that I already know, that are like-minded, and that look like me, dress like me, act like me? Why would I leave that, right? Because Jesus did. <laughs> he left the 99 to find the one. What, what if we weren't afraid to get messy? What if we begin to see people the way that Jesus sees people? And let me tell you something. If you do, you're going to see opportunities that are going to be messy. They're going to be messy. What if we were not afraid to get messy as a church? We say, hey, I'll get messy. I'm going to get in the weeds. I'm going to get down. I'm going to go to places that I probably shouldn't be in because I believe that Jesus has called me to meet these people here. I'm going to do things that I've never done because I believe that Jesus has given me an opportunity. I'm going to have conversations that I've never had because I believe that Jesus wants me to get messy. Like what if we saw people the way that Jesus saw people and we weren't afraid to get messy? Oh, what a difference when we see those that are different. As I'm, was preparing this, there was uh, just a flood of memories, and moments that uh, that came to my mind from from my previous background before I was full time ministry. I, I've worked in uh, multiple trauma departments, emergency departments as a as a registered nurse, and uh, I, every time, without fail the the trauma pager would go off we would get an alert that that a patient was about to come in and they would give us a brief description of what was happening and then they would tell us the eta of the patient so when they were going to be arriving and so the trauma team we would head into the trauma bay into the trauma room and we would begin to suit up we would we put a gown on we put our gloves on we put shoe covers on and we were getting ready for whatever mess was about to roll through that door and here we were we were prepared we were waiting and we were willing and wanting to save a life and i not that i was you know happy that someone had been in an accident or some type of traumatic event had taken place but i would r- just get so uh so passionate about the Opportunity to literally save somebody's life physically. And they would come through the door and the the ambulance drivers, the the EMS team, they would bring the patient in on the stretcher and they would move him over to our trauma beheading. And without hesitation, like as soon as they would come in, we would get to work and we would start figuring out what's going on. We were assessing injuries. There was blood everywhere and we're getting all messy and there's stuff happening. And we would save this person's life. Obviously, there were times that we didn't, but we would do everything that we could to stabilize this patient and save their life. And then this patient would leave the trauma room and they would head to their, their next place to, to heal, whether it was to the operating room or whether it was to the ICU. They, they would go to this next phase to, to continue getting better and improving their health and i can i can literally see it right now how many times i we would roll patients out and we would take them to wherever they were headed or whether we were putting them on a helicopter and sending them out and 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 all the action if you will was over and we would walk back and i would i would look into the trauma room and man you're talking about a mess I mean, it looked like a tornado came through, stuff all over the floor from, from things that were coming in and off and out of the patient, from trash, from the supplies, from cut clothes and shoes and, and I mean, just stuff everywhere. But you know what? Not one moment, not a, not a split second, when we were in the middle of saving someone's life, did we ever think about the mess that we were in? We never thought about it. It was what we were here to do. We were going to save this patient's life. And I didn't care about the mess. What if church... What if we had that mentality as a church to say, oh my gosh, you want to talk about the greatest life-saving opportunity in the world? Not just physically, but spiritually and eternally. What if I can overlook the mess? What if I can ignore the mess? What if I can not be afraid to get messy because this person's life means that much to me because it's eternal and I can help them. I can lead them. I can guide them to see Jesus because Jesus said them and to help them enter into a relationship with the one who saves it all. What if we got messy church? What if we were not afraid to get messy? Oh, what a difference when we see those that are different. Church, we have a massive opportunity at hand. Massive. God has strategically placed us in a very specific location. And let me just tell you something. There are people all around, not just there, really everywhere, but there are people all around who are different than you. And we have an opportunity to look past their mistakes and pull out their potential we have an opportunity to get off of our religious high horse and get on a playing field that's level and even keel. Not that we forsake the truths of the gospel and what God's word says, but where we get to a place where we say, hey, I may not know all of it. I may not have it all right. Let me get down for a little bit. Let me me get, as Jesus did, in a servant position. And then lastly, what if we were not afraid to get messy? Let's get messy, church. It's hard. It's challenging, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Let's get messy. Let's see people who are different than us the way that Jesus does. Do you see what I see? Church, let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful for the opportunity to see people the way that you do. God, I pray that you help us. Help us to do that. Lord, give us fresh eyes, fresh vision to see things differently, to, to look at those people who are different than us. Again, not that they're less than, not that they're better than, but, but just to see their differences and to love them the way that you love them, to, to show compassion the way that you do and to see them the way that you see them. God, I pray right now, if there's anybody at the sound of my voice who's in the middle of a mess like Levi and, and knows that they're doing things that are far from God, that Jesus would come and, and interrupt that in this very moment, right this second, and would, would offer an invitation, which he's doing right now, to say, I want you to follow me. I want you to leave that booth. I want you to leave that addiction. I want you to leave that thing that you're doing. I want you to change your life and follow me to make a 180 degree turn and go a different direction. I pray right now that that person will respond to you. To say, Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that you came and you died for me. And I confess from this day forward, I will live my life for you in this moment, I pray, that someone makes that decision. Father, I pray that you help us as a church. Help us to, to rise up to not settle, to not be comfortable, to not put our focus and emphasis on just showing up for an hour and a half in a building on Sunday morning, to not be comfortable for sitting on our couch in pajamas and, and, and watching a church service week in and week out. God, I just pray that you help us to be the church Monday through Saturday, not just Sunday morning, but to see people the way that you see people. Oh, what a difference when we see those that are different. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church, I love you.